the year 2020, I started a podcast about movies. Some episodes occasionally focused on other media as well. As I dealt with threatening interdimensional beings, I eventually met my other self from another universe where all the stuff I talked about got delayed. As it turns out, the stories as me and my guests described them were presented very differently in that other universe. So I continued podcasting these recaps, which apparently sound like improvised reviews, to entertain listeners of that other universe while they waited for the new release dates. Some episodes even focused on content of years past that did not come out in that other universe for whatever reason. The year is 2022. The podcast is now bi-weekly, unless stated otherwise. My name is Steven Schinder, and you're listening to Delayed Replay. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of Delayed Replay, that podcast where we usually recap and review movies that got delayed in that other universe but came out on time in our universe. But this time we're doing a video game. It's been a while since we did one of those. And uh, this is an exciting one. So it's Gotham Knights. And joining me for me, uh, blah, joining me for this discussion, it's Chris, aka Star Raptor. How, how's it going? Hey, Stephen. I'm doing really well. And yeah, Gotham Knights is is a game that I've been following for a long time. And I know we usually talk about movies or, or TV, correct? You talk about TV series sometimes on here, I'm guessing. I actually don't think we've done like a full like TV series episode because those are like long form. So it'd be kind of tougher, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll take back that, but I'll say generally movies. And yeah, I, yeah. I I'm a I'm a lover of the video games that you play on the PC, your personal computer, or your consoles like Xbox. So for me to kind of just get on here and you know strut the stuff as far as a gamer here, it's going to be pretty fun talking in a different medium for a change. Yeah, totally. And it's taken a while for this podcast to cover the game because you know I'm kind of in and out of the gaming world, I guess. Like, I'm not as in the weeds and with it as you are. So it took me a while to get around to getting this game and then another while getting through the whole thing because uh, sometimes I play and I suck and I give up for a while, you know? <laughs> Just so people know, like, what we're recapping and whatnot, like, we don't have the inside scoop of how everything actually goes down in... Uh, that other universe where it's just about to come out in 2022. We're recapping our version that came out last year in 2021, just so that there's no confusion. Um, so some things might be similar, but some things might be different. So I guess we'll see. Right off the top, people who've listened to the podcast may have already heard like what my experiences with Batman have been, like in the Batman episode from last year, but. Uh, Star Raptor, what's your overall history with like the Batman franchise just in general? Yeah, I I will say relatively recent, and what I mean is like the last ten years. I grew up in the early '90s, and I always remember going over to my cousin's house for like Thanksgiving or holidays, like Christmas, whatever. 
And he would have his Batman toys, you know, Batmobile, the Batwing, all those kind of things. And and I would look at that like I wouldn't even care. Like, so basically, like, back then I was all about Star Wars, and, and that was it. I didn't care about Marvel. I didn't care about DC. I didn't care about superheroes in general. If it wasn't Jurassic Park or Star Wars, then, then I wasn't really caring about it. Um, but it wasn't until, I would say, like, around the time of, you know, 2010 onward, um, but the whole craze with the Avengers that I got into a little late on that as well, that kind of stemmed up my uh, kind of brightened up things with superheroes for me. And I realized that, oh, my gosh, I've been missing out such <laughs> awesome content from all of these years. So I got into Batman v Superman uh, and and well, actually I go back a little bit. I did watch. Uh, Batman Begins, I did watch The Dark Knight. But again, I wasn't like, oh my gosh, I have to watch these movies again. I've seen them once in a theater, and that's it. Like, I wasn't really dwelling on them. But then fast forward, and then I started getting into comics. And that was about 2015, uh, when Star Wars started hitting the comic books again with Marvel. Then I said, oh, let me let me check out Daredevil. And I tried, this is a, I know it's a very long, winding road we're going through here at this point. But I said, let me check out Daredevil. I love the Netflix series. Um, so I checked out the Frank Miller run of Daredevil, which is basically like very similar to Batman in a way with Matt Murdock and the writers. Frank Miller also wrote The Dark Knight Returns, which is just you look up on any kind of website, top 10 comic books of all time. The Dark Knight Returns is usually on that list somewhere, you know, produced in 1980s there of this darker, grimmer version of of, of the the Dark Knight. And that's the kind of version we see that Ben Affleck playing in Justice League and all that. So that's really where I got into it is then through the comics and then subsequently through the video games and Rocksteady, you know, they made the, the Arkham City game, the Arkham Salem game, Arkham Knight. And then there was the Arkham Norgens game that was actually produced by the same developers we're talking about tonight. The, what is it called? Uh, Montreal Studio for, for uh, I was going to say Ubisoft, but I completely screwed that one up. Um, whatever, I got to look this up before the end of the, end <laughs> of the recording here, because I got to give these guys credit where credit is due. Um, the developer but anyway so i got into all the games and the games really just fleshed out the universe because it's clearly evident here that that the dark knight that batman bruce willis himself has like the largest uh villain cast of any hero and or anything i've ever experienced so far so long riding road is yeah i got into batman really through the comics and that branch into the video games and that's why i'm very Happy and interested to talk about what we're talking about today is, is Gotham Knights, the next continuation of the, we'll say, the legacy of the Dark Knight. So there you go. Yeah, I, I'd, I'll have to like re-listen when I edit this, but I think you might have said Bruce Willis instead of Bruce Wayne at some point, and it just put oh, like a, a, a funny image in my head of like Bruce Willis playing Batman. Like imagine what that would be like. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gosh. There you go. <laughs> yeah, just... Yeah, that that would be interesting, I guess. Uh, I don't know <laughs> if it would be good. I guess it would depend on the writer, but... Uh, but, but, yeah, um, it's interesting. You said that Star Wars kind of got you back into comics, uh, I, I think, and 
Uh, what's interesting is that for me, I got into comics initially, like when I was in, I was maybe around 12, it was back in 2006, and I got, I started trying to collect comics because the Star Wars Legacy comic series that takes place in the far-flung future of Star Wars was starting around that time, and so I started collecting that and Star Wars Dark Times for a little while, but then fell behind because, like, you know, I'm a kid, I, I don't make money or go to the comic book shop on my own that often, you know, so it wasn't until, like, years later that I got back into uh some of those comics but in the meantime the public library was like my best friend when it came to like reading some of those batman graphic novels that they had when while i was in high school i believe so and since then um you know i'm still subscribed to dc universe infinite if they have like all the comics up to like six months ago so similar to marvel unlimited's model and yeah the new 52 stuff was great well for batman at least like Mm -hmm. i know people i know people criticize new 52 for Mm -hmm. various reasons and for me it's like i kind of have a skewed perspective because i'm i've mainly only read the batman stuff for the most part in that and most of it is good i think that the endings to a couple of the joker storylines are kind of lackluster but overall I, I loved some of the stuff in that and i've been going through some of the rebirth uh batman stuff i think the next Ooh, thing that's good yeah well the wedding issue was a, kind of a low point but and like it, it's it's picked up again since then like the next thing i'm reading is fear state with an event um that i think covers like a few different um comic series so i'll be like jumping between them during that fear state event see what that's like it'll be nice for a nice little primer for halloween i guess you could say um yeah but yeah right right from the marketing for gotham knights it's like wow this is really exciting because the graphics look good and they're uh well I, i guess we'll start off by saying um basically the premise of this is batman is gone and like not just gone but like you hear on the news and stuff that like oh bruce wayne is dead and there's like over the years there's been various batman on-screen adaptations that sort of play with this idea that uh batman has disappeared or he's died or something and uh they sort of have to rely on other heroes for the stories you know there's a birds of prey tv show from 20 years ago that only lasted one season it kind of played with that trope uh the bat woman tv show as well and um i feel like there have been a couple other things but but yeah you, you get the idea like it's kind of this weird idea that pops up in on-screen dc media every now and then i think because for some reason for some of those projects they're not able to use batman because dc and warner brothers had this weird thing where like oh we're using him for the films we can't use it for tv or whatever and it's just really weird but here in the video game it feels very purposeful you know and it really gets to showcase these uh side characters who get to have a 
spotlight, you know, like Barbara Gordon, Batgirl, uh, Nightwing, uh, you know, Dick Grayson, Tim Drake, and Jason Todd's Red Hood. And, uh, but yeah, what'd you think of the way this premise is set up and sort of unfolds in this game? Oh man, I, I loved it from the first moments I heard about it because you're mentioning a new 52, and I think we'd be remiss if we don't miss, uh, mention the amazing work on that first, I guess it was the first uh, maybe, or second arc, first and second arc, I think, of the whole thing with the Court of Owls. And yeah, that Batman has been being, you know, the whole Wayne family has been watched by this organization that has just been keeping tabs on the family for years, decades, and that they they lie and wait. They're, they're, they're waiting for the perfect moment and the fact that, you know, the greatest detective on planet Earth does not have any idea what has been happening to the city. Like, these people have been running the city, like, without notice. Like, all these high-esteemed people are part of this organization. A lot of these people are. So it's really cool to see, because at one point in that story, like, it is believed that Bruce, you know, Bruce Wayne, not Bruce Willis, is actually <laughs> dead. Yeah, so he's actually dead, or at least people are thinking he's dead because he's been trapped and he's getting beaten down by these adversaries called the Talons, which are like the enforcers of the Court of Owls. And so this game basically almost is like a pseudo-adaptation of that great book of Batman. And, and, and that story is hailed as one of the best Batman stories of all time. It's just that good, and it came out quite a while ago. But But it's neat to see how a game is just specifically adapting something as iconic to the comics as the new 52 court of owls arc. And it's nice getting a switch up to these different characters and getting a choice to pick who you want to play as having the characters really like getting a lot of development that we're seeing that like every other of these games, like, okay, you're just going the perspective of, of Bruce Wayne, Batman, but I love the idea that I could choose between Red Hood, Robin, Nightwing, or Batgirl. And that to me was refreshing. It was refreshing to see how the world responded, how the allies of Batman are, you know, in remorse for their, per their, their person they look up to. And, and what's happening with the city when, you know, that's the whole premise of the story is what's, what happens to the city when its guardian is no more? Well, these people have to pick up the pieces and try to, you know, basically take what Batman has taught them and apply it here and now, like more than ever when these criminals like Harley Quinn and Clayface and and um, uh, Mr. Freeze are coming up on the scene now. So, yeah, I very much enjoyed the whole premise of this story just before I even started playing and I was already engaged. Yeah, for sure. Like the Court of Vowels storyline, it's it's so imaginative because it's amazing how even after all these decades, one can still come up with really compelling adversaries for Batman. You know, many of these villains have a gimmick and uh, it makes sense that you'd use owls as a gimmick for one of them and the whole like secret society thing, like it just works like you know some villains feel kind of like hit and miss but with court of owls it's like yeah this 
is a really great facet to add to the lore of like Batman and Gotham City in general. Um, and like you said, I, I love being able to play as these multiple characters. You know, sometimes they're on missions together. Other times they have to do certain things solo. It reminded me of the old, of the, wow, I feel old calling them old, but the old Sly Cooper games, uh, specifically yeah. the the sequels, which lean in more into Sly's friends doing things on their own. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really enjoyed the co-op experience of the game too i know they were pushing that a lot before the game came out and the fact that you always feel like you're connected and it was really neat being able to play um play the game uh with you as my ally at one point like just seamlessly integrated into our into my campaign where i was playing nightwing and then you jumped in as as uh who are you playing again I've been playing with so many friends lately that I kind yeah, of... Yeah, I, I, was, I was trying out as a bad girl because she's honestly, like, my favorite of these sidekicks, I guess you could say. Um, and, yeah, this was, like, your third playthrough, I guess, because, you know, I was taking forever to, like, get through this game. Yeah, so yeah, when I... we made some time to, like, do this. <laughs> yeah, I, I am a sucker for when it comes to these third-person action games, and there's even a little bit of RPG elements in this, but, like, for instance, I played through Jedi Fallen Order, like, three times now, and that was all within the first year when the game came out. So, you know, when I when I find a game I really enjoy, I will play the heck out of it, especially with the added replayability of, oh, I could just go back and play as a completely new character with completely new playstyle. Like, for instance, I'm comparing... And you have different builds for each character. So, like I said, RPG elements for sure. Like Red Hood, you can play this character as a complete ranged character, just kind of sitting back, just pelting the enemies with non-lethal rounds. Or you could spec out your guy, customize your guy to be more of like a bruiser type because, you know, Red Hood is a bigger dude. He's also pretty good at getting close to close and just bashing people's faces with his weapons. So... There's a lot of playability there, and everybody moves differently throughout the world. So it does feel like you are getting almost like four different games or four different like gameplay styles, which really adds a lot. Yeah, the customization really kind of gives a feel of what it's like to be a comic book illustrator. Because, you know, in general, they try to draw the characters in a way where they're recognizable but they might make them look slightly different because of the art style so i kind of compare it to that um and yeah i'd also like to echo that jedi fallen order is an incredible game um i guess there's a reason you have cal kestis as like your avatar like on my screen right now um you know also played by cameron monahan who was in gotham as a joker like character um who Honestly, it should have been called Joker at the end, but like they couldn't use the name for some dumb reason. But anyway, um, yeah, like the way this game unfolds, like you, they get the message on the cell phone where Bruce is like, if you're listening to this, it means I'm dead. And he tells them that they have to rally together. Um, and like you mentioned, like the villains have been taking advantage of the fact that Batman's been gone and the sidekicks have been you know the bat family rather has been feeling really down and depressed because bruce is gone and they're they kind of wallow for 
a bit. And I, I think I w would have been annoyed if this took up a huge amount of the game, but they leave it just at the beginning. Uh, but they do have like a sort of a family gathering, you know, Alfred is there and serving some pie and whatnot. I guess this is kind of like their Thanksgiving, but they don't call it that, I'm guessing, because of like the baggage that comes with that, which is understandable. Um, and they start arguing about whether or not they should go ahead and continue on, like fulfill Bruce's wishes. And you have like Dick and Jason be being like, it, it, you know, w we did our time. Like he trained us and we did what he wanted. Like it's time for us to be who you want to be. And you have Tim being like, oh, but people are suffering and they need our help. And here in Gotham, you know, that type of thing. Cause you know, Barbara's trying to like keep everyone together and they they try to, you know, this is like a really long cutscene. It almost feels like a movie, you know, uh, they, they try to sort of talk things out. And then at midnight, you know, it's Black Friday and they see on the TV that uh, people are like going crazy, you know, as, as they do on Black Friday. But it gets even more uh, wild when uh, stores start getting attacked by none other than Calendar Man. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, just a really nice deep cut right there. So, like, what would you think of this? Yeah, I've read The Long Halloween, which is, again, one of the biggest uh, stories in the Batman zeitgeist uh, throughout the years. And so, for me, I, I seen it, I was like, oh, wow, that is that is something else, because again such a large rogues gallery that sometimes you forget some of the villains that batman has fought against and when they pop up again you're like oh wow good pool good pool um so right off the bat i was like okay this game's gonna be something special if they're throwing in an obscure character like that off the bat but yeah this scene definitely adds in that engagement right off the bat where you're like okay I'm already like in the story like this. This is something interesting. Black Friday. This is not going to go well. You got all these innocent people around. You're not quite certain like what is happening because, the you know, it's raining. So there's a lot of obscurity of the scene. Of course, it's raining. It's Gotham City. I mean, what else kind of weather does Gotham ever really have? That's worth telling a story about, you know? Yeah. <laughs> And so when they see this on the screen, they're like, okay, yeah, we have to go help out. And so they go to the Batcave, get the Batmobile, and they argue over, like, who gets to drive until, like, finally Alfred is like, I shall drive. And he's basically their chauffeur type of deal, which, you know, it's his job, so why not? Um, so he drives them to the scene, and uh, he keeps on, like, using the gadgets of the Batmobile to fend off some of the calendar man's many henchmen. I don't know how he got this, these many henchmen, but uh, it's kind of cool. You get to play as Alfred, like driving the car and like taking care of oh, all these guys. Like, has, I did not expect that. <laughs> I, that's gotta be the first time in any video game that you actually get to control Alfred. That was cool because I mean, I love the, the, the iterations we got of Alfred um in the in the batman movie and you could tell like this guy is a hardened soldier played by andy circus uh as opposed to uh robert pattinson's batman in that movie and i was like oh 
I would like to see like a rough and tough uh, Pennywise. Uh, what is his name? No. Pennywise? No. Pennyworth. Pennyworth. Yeah, I, I mean, you, the series, right? You yeah. watched the series. I have not. Um, yeah, the series but... is pretty good, but I feel like Martha, you know, um, Bruce's mom in like Bat- everything Batman mythology, basically. Um, Martha pretty much steals the show for me. Like she's, uh, she she's pretty much has like her own action stuff to do every once in a while, and like, uh, and getting um thomas wayne to help her solve like this mystery with like a secret society like alfred is good in the show but for me martha is like who i'm watching the show for honestly um by the way before we get too far off i have to at least ask you this question what do you think about the new rebrand of the title it's incredibly stupid it it's pretty (laughs) much them saying that because Okay, so what's the rebrand again? It's like something dumb like Pennyworth, The Rise of Batman's Butler or something. Um, I'm just <laughs> Googling it right now. Okay, it's Pennyworth, The Origin of Batman's Butler. Oh my um, gosh. Yeah, so it's like they're basically saying, all right, we know that the audience is stupid. It, and despite having already put out two seasons of the show, we got to rebrand it now as... Uh, throw the Batman name in there so like everyone knows it's just dumb <laughs> oh my gosh yeah, it's one of the worst titles I've ever heard again talking down to the audience it's one thing if it was the first season of the show but why do they feel they need to do that now after two seasons yeah it's uh, I hate it just but I, I'm still forgot. I'm still yeah but I'm still gonna watch the third season when it premieres on October 6th I believe um early to mid-october i'm sure but mm-hmm. yeah so hopefully it doesn't disappoint hopefully the new name is the worst thing about it and everything else is smooth sailing um but yeah we do see a young alfred doing a lot of cool stuff in there and even in the show gotham you know alfred was still i would say middle-aged maybe and still able to do some action uh from you know kind of um using what he learned from his uh, Secret Service days or agent days or whatever it was. So, um, yeah, I really like how later in this, much later in this game, you actually get to utilize Alfred in that way with those, like, combat skills. It was pretty wild. Yeah, it was really cool how they did it because it reminds me of, like, an RPG from from the East or something. Like, you can call in your your special ability where like Alfred just comes in out of nowhere. Like you'll be down dark alley. It's like, I got a call for reinforcements. Come on, come on, Alfred. And then Alfred just pops up off screen and he just goes hand to hand, bare knuckles with whatever adversaries. Okay. I don't know how you got there that quick, but that certainly is a a nice little summon, if you will, um, in the game. Yeah. Um, but getting back to like the store uh, during Black Friday, it's it's just chaos everywhere. You know, you go down the aisles, you see that there are like some toys that like explode and stuff. It's like, huh, Calendar Man's really experimenting with a lot of stuff here with all these like gimmicks that he's doing to pro- provide chaos and um, and yeah, it's just it. 
like being able to play as these heroes and trying to protect the shoppers or citizens or civilians or whatever like it, it really does feel intense like they do feel sort of real to me they don't feel like just background characters like in other games so like just worthless npcs like I, i'm not sure how to explain it but this game makes it feel like there is an urgency in trying to protect these people you know yeah like for instance if if there's like a crowd of people like one of these adversaries will like punch one of the characters and they'll fall to the ground and you could just like sit back and watch like they do this in Red Dead Redemption a lot, where it's like you, you yeah. watch something and you and you just like stand there and like stuff will happen. Um, so first, like the guy gets the person gets knocked down by this guy, and the people like kind of like crowd around the person on the ground and kind of like protect them. And another person will be like down the ground on their knee, like "Are you okay? Are you okay?" Like like stuff that does give it more life rather than oh, there all these people, they don't even realize that the person's on the ground. Like, it, it was like, okay, they added that little mechanic that, again, adds to the living nature of, oh, okay, like, I feel more sympathy for these people. I need to save them. Yeah, for sure. And once they get to Calendar Man and actually defeat him, like, you get the cutscene where they gather around him and Tim Drake uh, throws in the clip where he's like, looks like your calendar has run out and then like the other bat family members just sort of face palm because like they they didn't think that was a well thought out quip to throw in um so i do like their little moments of levity like that but they don't like overshadow the story that this game is telling mm, certainly certainly yeah so that's that's really the big big opening kind of uh shot of of the actual game like you said very big long cutscene which is good I, I like me a good cutscene that has some exposition telling us what we need to know about the characters i mean yeah you don't want to go on too long with these things like give me the controller let me play a little bit i'm also a fan of like hey having dialogue while i'm like walking down dark alleys and, and they're giving me information that way too so at least i feel like i'm in control um but yeah it just it just goes on it just goes on from there and you know the first thing is this big carnival and you know we know that harley quinn is a big big adversary in the game her Clayface, uh mr freeze they're like the three biggest adversaries of the game and then they're kind of like the B plots, if you will. But then you have the the Court of Owls, which are like the big overarching like main story. Because, you know, this game is like Arkham City. Where it's like you got all these like side quests you could do as well as the main quests. And damn, if you don't think I'm going to do every single quest in this game, because it just compels me. It's like, why wouldn't I want to go to this carnival and see what's up with Harley Quinn? It's an older Harley Quinn. And uh, Joker's gone. Joker's not in the picture anymore. Apparently, Joker uh, was was killed by Batman at some point. Batman, of course, is not a killer, but somehow he was kind of forced into killing Joker. But anyway, so like we got a much different Harley Quinn in this story because she's more like off her rocker, I guess you'll say, after like the whole like trauma of like Joker dying. 
um, when they were still a thing together, sort of, you know. When it comes to Harley Quinn, like, this is definitely a different path for her than what what I like seeing. Um, my favorite um, Harley Quinn stories are when, like, she's broken up with the Joker and gotten past him, and she's, like, trying to, like, find herself and even trying to, like, be a hero uh, or anti-hero of sorts but it's like since you have all these other stories doing that in other media right now it's like you sort of have to do something different with this so even though this isn't my preferred way of seeing harley i do understand it makes sense to see uh what a harley quinn who was still under joker's influence like how she'd react once the joker is dead and out of the picture type of thing you know yeah so again this the we keep saying this like this story keeps introducing elements to a franchise that has been going on for almost a hundred years at this yeah. point still getting like these new little tidbits these new ways of playing with the mythos that are just so refreshing after sometimes we get these stories and we're like yeah this definitely feels like deja vu. Like, like there was, there's not as much creativity because I feel like I've seen this before or watched or whatever. But at this point, it was really cool just getting, getting to this battle, fighting Harley Quinn. That's like one of the opening things. Obviously, we're not done with her yet, but that is when the story kind of opens up, and that's it's like that moment, you know, walking out of the vault from uh, Fallout seventy Fallout the fall series you're walking out of the vault for the first time skyrim you're walking out for the first time just seeing the wide world and it's like that moment where it's like okay you dealt with harley quinn now here's gotham and it is in chaos with batman dead everybody wants a piece of the pie so where do you want to start fighting crime and that that was cool because immediately my mind was like all right what's the closest thing that deserves my attention so I went immediately and just tried to, like, just fight these, like, street-level thugs. They're just, I don't even know who they were allied to, but they were picking on some people. So it was, like, that good kind of superhero feeling where it's like, all right, like, superheroes are for the everyday guy. They, they see a guy getting bullied. They're going to come out of nowhere, beat the guy up, you know, for justice and, and let the cops deal with him. So that's basically what it is, like, a small-time little crime thing. Um, went back to the headquarters because there's there is daylight in this game, but the way they actually function time in the game is you're always whenever you're in your like little like hideout thing with your three other people, uh, it's always daylight. So you're like planning your stuff for the for the upcoming night, and then when you leave that place, then it's automatically night. So I did like that little mechanic where it's like. Yeah, it's not night all the time, but you're just not going out fighting crime until it's a little bit harder, you know, for the criminals and for the people to actually, like, see you and you have the element of stealth and all that. So, yes, I, I prefer to use stealth quite a bit as Nightwing. I I've basically played this game almost like Assassin's Creed, where I'd be kind of scaling across the rooftops, marking enemies jumping down just like trying to get the one shot like knockouts on him from behind uh so i i really like the gameplay loop as far as that's concerned you know getting on top of a a crane and just like looking down and 
yeah, I was I was really having fun, really having fun with that. Um, what did you think about the play style for Batgirl and her tricks of the trade and all that? Yeah, I think they handled Batgirl very well because it feels very much like playing as Batman, but there's also a bit more of an aerodynamic feel to it, if that makes sense. So satisfying just like hitting people as her. It's uh, I know that doesn't sound like such an eloquent way of saying it, but it's true. Um, and, and just her method of investigating and, you know, how she interrogates people and it's just so cool to do like as her and see her like like see how it all plays out um you you mentioned that there are like some thugs and whatnot i like how what this game does is it shows that some of the thugs don't even work for super villains like they're just normal thugs like it's kind of like an everyone for himself type of thing like some thugs might work for the super villains but others are just like uh, trying to survive on their own basically and it makes the world feel bigger in a way and you also mentioned the moments where they're like planning and it's like daylight like you get to be inside the mansion you know the wayne mansion but you also get to go inside the bat cave and uh see like the giant uh t-rex and the yeah. giant penny and you could basically go to each of these mementos and you can click on them and it'll show you like a little factoid about each one and there's like a funny line where uh one of them is like it's kind of weird that he kept he kept evidence from crime scenes as mementos and it's like yeah that is kind of a weird thing that batman does when you think about it <laughs> yeah i'm always a sucker for those sort of like walk about like in between mission things because i like the exploring games a lot and you know, I, I played a lot of the, I played all of the Telltale Batman game, and they have those elements in season one too, where you can just go around and, and inspect things, and uh, it was cool getting that full 3D control of just, hey, what is this big T Rex that Batman has here? Why is it here? Like, like learning about all these little, like you said, the little factoids are always a lot of fun. There, I did dabble in playing as because the cool thing about this game too is you can actually switch between characters already in your playthrough so it's like ah let me let me check out some other characters so i got to play as jason todd and it's kind of like marvel ultimate alliance in that way come to think of yeah it. yeah and like how he had a lot more rage than anybody else in the game um granted he has like a little bit more of a supernatural thing where he can you know from the um, pit of lazarus that gave him some kind of powers um, but he also has rage for the reason why, you know, Batman was killed. And it's cool to see him express that and really just kind of go all that with his combat abilities, having that more aggressive feel. I was really, really happy with that. I think one of the funnier Easter eggs is is the fact that you can go to this place and or like you'll be fighting and then all of a sudden you'll like find like a pie on the ground and you just run over it and it gives you health. It's like, yeah, <laughs> what is, wait, what is what is going on here? Is this is this like an Easter egg to like a Batman story that I've never read or experienced? Because this seems a little bit out of place. Like I know that the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like they run over top of a pizza pie 
And that'll give yeah. him, and that makes sense. But like the DC universe with, with just like a pie, I don't even know if it's apple pie, peach pie, whatever. It's just like on the ground and ran over. I was like, hey, I got more health all of a sudden. So that was that was quite bizarre. Yeah, I, I don't know if this was the reason, but later on they do sort of need to figure something out, like an equation that involves you know, the mathematical <laughs> pie. So I kind of wonder if this is why they had to do that, you know? Yeah, 3.14, everybody. Yeah, it yeah. just goes on and on and on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so 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 one of the cooler scenes for me was the cemetery scene about midway through the game. Uh, when you really, it, it really takes a long build up. And it, I guess it, it depends on where you are in the game because it's part of the main story. So for me, it was like halfway through my playthrough with all the other side quests. Anyway, it's like when you first actually meet the Court of Owls, like it's a lot of build up. And you finally meet them and then you you find this headstone and there's a secret switch on the back then you press that and it opens up a doorway and then it, and then it basically asks for a key that you find earlier in the game but yeah this is this is the the cemetery everything about it was something that just seems so much in line with the comic that Scott Snyder wrote because these these quarter valves they had this like this maze that Bruce Wayne got lost in and got the snot beat out of him by the talons in, in the comic book. So this was very much like a labyrinthine, like, okay, you're, you're going down into the depths of Gotham and Gotham. Um, and, and before I get too far, like, like I love the idea of Gotham in this game where it's like all these different districts of the different ancestors, the forefathers of Gotham. So you have this district for the Cobblepods, you have this district for the Arkhams, you have this district for the the Waynes, and they all have different feels and different um, kind of tones to them. But yeah, this is cool because it was like, all right, we are in this labyrinth underground of this cemetery, and I don't know what to expect. It kind of turns into a horror movie at that point because it's the ambiance, the music. And you're just creeping around. I'm like, oh my gosh, this game suddenly become like a Resident Evil game. Like, what was happening here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing what this franchise can do with Labyrinths. Like, I've been re-watching Batman the Animated Series recently because it was its 30th anniversary a couple weeks or so ago. And there's an episode with the Riddler where he puts Batman and Robin in a labyrinth and it's kind of silly there's like a giant hand that'll like fly in and pick them up if they like do something wrong or something uh so so that's like a balance of uh some of the seriousness and silliness i, I guess you could say but here they really do lean into suspense and horror and it's like you come across these uh terrifying images of like because on, on the walls uh, to make it not look so monochromatic, the walls have pictures of like some of their uh, victims and they don't look too graphic, but it's like you can tell that the characters are very horrified by what they see. It's I think it's so that from their perspective, it looks uh, like really gruesome. But from our perspective, it's like 
tame enough to sort of get that uh, rated T rating, uh, you know? Um, oh, and, yeah. And yeah, like the, the sound effects, like the echoing, like it really makes it feel like you're deep underground in this like tunnel type of thing, a tunnel labyrinth. Yeah, definitely wear this. Wear headphones at this point if you're playing, because uh, yeah, you definitely get more engrossed in what is happening when, yeah, you got sound all directions at all places. <laughs> yeah, you you get the whispers, which is enough to make you feel paranoid when you hear them. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Did you get any cool costumes um, in your playthrough with the Batgirl so far? Because they have plenty of them throughout the timeline of these characters from well-known costumes to original created costumes for the game specifically. Um, I was pretty, pretty pumped to like when I got those outfits upgrades, like, Oh, right, here we go. Some, something cool. Yeah. With Batgirl, it's like, you can have the darker outfit, but you can also get the like more purplish, like new 52 outfit or even the, uh, I think this one was purple as well. There, you, there's even like a little Easter egg where you can get like the Batman 1960s TV show uh, Batgirl outfit, and you the textures look so accurate. Like you can tell them apart. It's just you know you can tell the people who made this game really studied the designs of these outfits from different iterations and different eras and whatnot. Oh, yeah, the attention to detail is fantastic because I like how you can go into like your outfit uh, customization screen or whatever, and you can really like zoom in quite, quite close and literally see the texture. And, you know, they had to actually originally this game was for the Xbox one, the PS4. And within like the last year, they actually dropped the support on the PS4 and the Xbox one. Just because they were like, look, we don't want to have to like strain the heck out of these systems to try to run this game anymore. So we're going to save money, cut costs, and just keep this game on the on the newest consoles, the PS5, Xbox Series S and X, and the PC. And, you know, I don't think the Xbox One would be able to, frankly, handle this game. I'm happy that happened because, I mean, without getting too off the track here, I mean, we see what happened with Cyberpunk and, uh, you know, they put out a game <laughs> on a on on a, almost a 10 year old system at that point and and that's what happens when the game is too technical so anyway yeah i mean it was it was cool to actually see like a next gen game really taking full advantage of the hardware to have this kind of resolution and this kind of clarity at any point was was a was a treat yeah and when tim drake gets a red robin outfit like that's a very triumphant moment because it's like he's no longer just robin anymore it's like this is the next level for him oh yeah yeah i don't really have much experience with tim drake as a character um so i don't really know anything about the guy honestly i guess he's more of a newer character i'm, I'm not sure i've heard the name definitely a bunch but i just well well, he's been around for like 30 years, so I don't oh. know if you count that as new, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, he's only been around as long as I've been living, that's all. You know, no big deal. What? Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, you're, you're totally new, you know? 
<laughs> um, but but yeah, like like I said, I really love how th- they make this feel like a world. And you know, throughout this game, um, you, they also go to like Oswald Cobblepot, you know, the penguin, see if he knows mm-hmm. anything about the court of owls, and he tries denying it, but you can tell that like he knows they exist, but is scared because like they have dirt on him and they're watching him and it's like he's just terrified by them which root makes him more of a threat because penguin is able to run his own criminal empire but if someone like him who's at the top is paranoid about these other guys it's it really adds like another layer to that whole thing Oh yeah, I mean, it's, I loved how they included the scene in this sequence where you have to track down Cobblepot. Of course, he's got the cane as usual. It's just like that's you know the picturesque form of the of the penguin, and just to see like okay, if the one of the top dogs is scared about these people, then you know that there is a reason for them to be feared and a reason why people kind of. They don't even want to like mention their name. It's almost like Voldemort. Like no one would speak the name. Nobody wants to speak about the the Court of Owls. They're like almost like a myth, but it's like this hidden hidden thing about. Oh, speak about them. I'm gonna get killed if if I even say a word about them. I'll be dead tomorrow. So it really added to the the overall threat and the overall stakes. And that's the thing in a lot of stories I look for is why is this important? Why do I have to care? Why should I be scared of these adversaries and well if one of the top dogs is scared then then of course so you know we track them down or we track penguin down and he has a ring a signet that um when used in the right place will be almost like a key to enter into one of their through underground uh compounds if you will so that is where we kind of get into the end of the whole thing. And uh, yeah, I mean, just building up to that point, what were your feelings so far on that area? Yeah, they do an interesting job going through the main story, but also with these side things going on that you can go to sort of take a break. Like when when there's that scene where it's raining and then all of a sudden the rain turns to ice and you're like, oh, Mr. Freeze says got this thing going on and you have to like take him out and uh there's a funny moment where like what this does is it freezes clayface as well and clayface tries to break out of the ice and it makes for a really a cool looking visual um there's even a moment where they fight clayface and they're like so which clayface are you again and uh, they sort of keep it ambiguous this clayface basically just says I'm a master of disguise, aren't I? And is just like reveling in being such a good actor or whatever. And the Bat family's just like, whatever, we'll take you down. And so these were some really cool fights, like fighting Clayface and fighting Mr. Freeze. But of course, the Court of Vowels are the main adversaries. So they have to like face them at the end. And uh, they basically... Uh, go into this compound and you know in different rooms there's like all these things that sort of give you more information like there's a projector in a room that you know very old school and it sort of shows a slideshow history of the court of vowels there's no narration it's just you have to like click through the slides while 
this creepy music plays and there's some creaking in the background. It's just, again, adding into those horror vibes. And yeah, you basically learn more about the owls and it's like, huh, I wonder why they would like just leave this info about themselves flying around. And it's like, oh, because they don't intend for these people to get out alive, I guess, you know? Yeah, yeah. So they actually have a bunch of uh, people that have been taken prisoner. You know, they have these different cells. They have certain politicians that have gone missing. And that was one of the reasons why, like, dealing with this threat of the Code of Alice had to be done sooner rather than later because you got people that are leaders in the entire city of Gotham that, you know, there's decisions being made for better for worse of the city. It's like we got to have we got to have these people back for these things to go through. And it was like, OK, uh, Gotham is in one of the worst states now. Uh, we got to get a strike force to take these to take these guys out. Um, so definitely, it definitely was like a relief to find like a lot of these people still alive at that point. Yeah, one of the people is the mayor, and another one is actually a familiar face. Uh, it's Harvey Dent himself, who apparently in this version, like he's already done the Two Face thing, but then gotten the help he needed at, and reformed and gotten facial reconstruction surgery, and is like trying to be a good person again. And I, I found that very refreshing because that did happen for um, at least a little while in the comics, but I feel like in most on-screen things, they just keep him as Two-Face like forever. But here it was like real refreshing seeing a Harvey Dent who's uh, who's been through hell, but then come back to regain his former self again. And now he's like, he's very much... Um, he has his wits about is just trying to keep everyone calm while trying to like work with the heroes to like find a solution to get out. And they also have Renee Montoya. She's appeared throughout the game, you know, helping the Bat family. And they even like interrogated Harley Quinn at Arkham at one point. That was a fun scene. But now here, Renee Montoya is also in one of the cells. And so, um, and also Leslie Tompkins, a physician who uh, is pretty much like the surrogate mother for Bruce Wayne. Uh, so, yeah, you got these characters who are uh, very familiar. And, of course, I don't think we've mentioned on this episode yet how, like, Jim Gordon has also been dead for a while. Um, so th that was another thing that sort of caused uh, a power struggle, you know, some corrupt cops tried to sort of take the reins while Renee Montoya is trying to make sure that people do the right thing. So it's kind of like an internal conflict among the leaders and the court of owls are basically trying to show that everyone is corrupt and therefore everyone suffers, you know, that type of thing, which I thought was really chilling to hear. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's cool. Again, having, deep character development and throughout the journey, especially if you're playing as Batgirl, getting those inner monologues um, as you're just playing as the character going through the city, she's having like some PTSD, which is pretty intense because she was actually like in the room uh, when her father was killed. So it's like, holy crap. Like, 
Yeah, I know this game was rated T fourteen, but man, oh man, it's like they were pushing that rating uh, multiple times just with the subject matter, you know? Yeah, like that flashback where you see like a figure, and we figure out later that it's one of the talons, like just takes out Jim Gordon, like when they're just having a normal conversation at his office. It's like, whoa, this. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about this because it's really like for me, you know, I I love Jim Gordon and Bruce Wayne. So like to see and and Alfred Pennyworth. So like I love much of these characters, you know, just so like to see any of them die in any iteration, even though there is a multiverse and they're alive still somewhere. It's still tough to see, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. What did you feel about? the big the big moment at the end of this the big the big reveal all that that stuff that led up all this we're getting all the background all these characters had previous relations with batman and seeing their response did you feel like the ending was a cop out a little bit or did you actually enjoy it was it more of a triumphant moment for you when we get to see what happens who's left um in the last cell where, yeah, where they discover that Bruce Wayne is still alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had mixed feelings about this, because, like, <laughs> for so long, we were like, okay, this game, you know, the marketing is built on the premise that Bruce is dead. Um, and I was wondering if they would do a thing where it's like, oh, this is actually Clayface, but then, um, y- you know, they talk to... Bruce in the cell and it's like yeah he knows things that only Bruce Wayne would know but yeah like how'd you react to that I mean from the perspective of like a fitting finale for that last battle uh, against the leader it was like it was that triumphant moment like like Luke Skywalker appearing on the on the the cruiser at the end of uh you know season two of Mandalorian or something or it's like Yes, like this guy that we've only heard about that we've been playing as these characters that are good in their own right, but they can't hold a candle to the power of Batman. So when you actually get to control Batman at that last like five minutes of the game, it was like it wasn't overbearing because it was the end of the game. You know what I mean? Like the game ends like right basically after that fight. The city is saved. Everything's good. But it gives you that little bit of taste of power where it's like, holy crap, like you get to see like this is the master. He taught all these other people you've been playing as what they know and what they can do. And, and it's just like, I thought it was pretty, pretty poetic, pretty effective to be like, this was the, the end goal they've been looking for. They, they, they've gotten over their grief in their own ways since. And then this happens. And I was like, yeah, but from a gameplay perspective, I, I enjoyed it the most. But I can see why most people are going to be put off by this is like uh was this too soon like i like the idea of not having batman period like then again i'm thinking back in my head like it's yeah gotham city of course they're gonna throw batman in at some point yeah i mean honestly i wish that they had just committed to him being dead because i like thinking back i do think i would have preferred that uh the ones that he trained have like the final punches and whatnot and show that they can be the new the new like main heroes 
of Gotham, and they and they do do a triumphant uh, like it's supposed to feel triumphant. They do like a a Bat Family sort of shot where they're like after they freed everyone, like they're both on like like the Bat Family's on top of a building on a ledge, and they all swoop down together and. Um, it's supposed to be a feel-good moment, and the music does complement it very well. But I don't know. Like if we we have so many stories where Batman is still alive, and I, I love Batman. He's my favorite superhero. But I really thought this game would set itself apart completely, and it does for the most part. Like you're playing as these uh, former sidekicks for. The majority of the game like 99 percent of the game but then like i feel like the i could see how like the final moment kind of robs them of that sort of like I, I i don't know like i feel like maybe it would have worked better if you could play as batman in a flashback and then yeah that, that and then that like maybe as the sidekicks are like learning something new about him that sort of helps them in the present and then after they sort of read about that flashback or whatever they now have the skills that he had in that flashback i think that would have yeah. worked better but yeah i think that would have been a great i think it would have been more effective to have a prologue of you playing as batman and seeing batman literally getting killed in your hands like as you play him like you're you're getting knocked down a peg. You're seeing Batman like going against a Talon, and like more and more of his suit gets like ripped up. And you're sitting, and as you continue fighting this character, you're getting slower and slower. And then it just gets to the point where Batman is just like, he just collapses. And it's like this very effective, very evocative way of to start the game, I would imagine. Because like at that point, you're like, holy crap, like Batman is dead like what like ip that batman has ever been in had we seen anything as as visceral as this and it sets you off on the adventure so i was like yeah i gotta take some points off on the game for maybe misplacing the role of batman i would do things maybe a little bit different yeah like what you described kind of reminds me of how the force unleashed begins or it begins with you playing as darth vader and then you go through star killers story so something like that could have been cool um yeah mm. but yeah so they defeat the owls and uh the music during the credits is pretty cool what do you think of the music overall yeah like i was saying before like there is there is really good elements and there's like very like it fit Gotham. I feel like the music really fit this Gotham well. Um, there's some really quiet moments, uh, but then there's like, the, you know, you're fighting like a group of a mob of like eight enemies and it kicks up a little bit and you feel that adrenaline as you're connecting and, and, and rolling around and knocking guys out. It's just really heroic um, sounding music, especially at those moments. But I like how diverse it and how quiet it would get to like ratchet up the tension because you are dealing with the court of owls, which again are that mysterious kind of entity. So I'd expect to have that more muted kind of stuff in those quieter moments, which worked for me. Yeah, and there were moments here and there where I felt like little 
tiny themes feel influenced by Danny Elfman or by Hans Zimmer or by Michael Giacchino. And it's like every now and then you'll get a flavor that sounds reminiscent of some of the other on-screen Batman media. But for the most part, the music feels like it's within that same genre as the other things that just fits Gotham. Like it's very much for the most part, its own thing. And like, it's a nice blend of the familiar, but also some newness to it. Like some of the music gets intense, especially during the suspenseful moments. Oh, heck yeah. Heck yeah. But I mean, overall, I really, I really enjoyed how that enhanced everything, the, the music-wise, from from all the elements. All the elements it, it pulled them together because music plays, music plays a very big part in video games, and sometimes you know it can kind of bleed into the background. You don't you don't really notice it, but you know, again, some of the best games I've played, um, I get ratcheted up by the music and add that more element of, oh man, this is something special. Yeah, for sure. Now, I know we kind of debated about whether like whether or not the ending was a good idea, but after the credits we get like the actual like end of the game, which is a, basically just the trailer for the CW's TV show Gotham Knights. And oh. yeah, like what a what a lackluster way to end the game. <laughs> yeah, I mean like I get that they have to have corporate synergy, but that just seems a little bit much, especially considering it's a completely different medium. Like I was expecting, like maybe, maybe a tease for the next game or something like that. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but like, why would they show a freaking like like? Don't get me wrong. I watched the CW stuff like in the beginning, like the first couple of years of everything, era of Flash and all that. But it's like, oh man, like you're going from this triple A produced game that looks amazing to like you know just a cw sometimes you know it doesn't matter it doesn't match up to what's on hbo max we'll put it that way and i was just like go from this quality to that quality and like i don't really buy the reason for having gotham knights we already have the titans tv show on hbo max so it's like is this really necessary at this point you know right i feel like superman and lois is and Stargirl as well feel closer to HBO Max quality. Okay. But yeah, I, I get what you mean about like the CW stuff. Like I, I've been a fan of some of it, um, even still, like after all this time. But Gotham Knights, like from the like the TV show, like right from the beginning of the marketing, like you could tell it's a downgrade even from the other stuff that people already criticize. So it's like, uh, that's it kind of just leaves a bad taste in your mouth just like watching the the trailer for it here at the end of this game eh. oh man overall i i would say i recommend this game or would say you know your mileage may vary um based on the ending but i think up to that point aside from random pies that you for whatever reason replenish health with I think this is a solid game in the Batman franchise. I think this is better than Batman Origins, which is uh, the previous game that Warner Brothers, uh, Montreal, which is the developer. Oh, yeah, Ar Arkham Origins. Uh, something like that, right? Is it Arkham Origins? Yeah. Yeah. Like um, I think they've, 
this is a step up from their previous Batman game there. And I think they have an idea for a good franchise to go forward. And it was awesome getting to see Gotham. I really think that they, they developed a Gotham that feels alive, that has history. Because think about it. So they actually took the time to build up Gotham, which is probably the most memorable, the most well-known like fictional uh, fictional city in anything for like comic books like people know what gotham is that the darker side of people said it's actually modeled after camden new jersey but most people will think it's probably new york um city uh but anyway i i i really love the combat i love the replayability of the game getting to get to play as all these different characters that are obscure but they each feel fresh and unique i feel like the voice acting the writing Everything about this is awesome. I mean, if I were to give it a score, I would say I would give it like a a good, good eight point five batarangs out of ten. I don't. Know. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of it's really funny because eight point five was also what I was thinking, like eight point five out of ten pies or something. It's it's <laughs> minus half a point for uh not committing to batman being dead and minus a full point for the gotham knights tv show trailer (laughs) (laughs) um but no the trailer probably isn't that full point like there are like little things here and there where i feel like it maybe could have been better like it's a great game but it's there are definitely other games that i'd probably rate higher probably but yeah i think 8.5 is a good place to rate this one uh, that but that is to say gotham knights is worth playing at least so people can you know really feel immersed in the world of gotham as it's interpreted here so yeah i guess that'll do it now before we do the plugs uh, something i've been doing for these string for this string of episodes coming out like uh in spooky season and like the lead up to halloween i've been asking people what are their spooky season recommendations? And it can be like a movie, TV show, comic, video game, or a book even. Um, and you could mention like a few. I don't really have like a number limit. But like, w- what are your like spooky season recommendations? Whether they be uh, like a tradition for you or just something or something recent that uh, you've seen or something. Like where are your recs? Well, I definitely will say um, getting out to like a going out to like a local farm or something, at least in New Jersey where I live. There's some country around here, big open fields and they have these farms that will convert into like a complete fright fest type of ordeal. Um, went to one last last year, had a blast. And, you know, they had like the the this they take over the whole place. So like they first they had the one where it's like the tractor ride through the place people jumping on there on and on off as you're going scaring every living daylights out of you or like a spooky like circus carnival part of it it's like the six flags of like fright stuff so like i recommend if you're not the fan of heart like trying to go to just like a cool place in october to get scared a little bit you know it's nothing like a guy running at you with a with a chainsaw to get your heart rate up a little bit. <laughs> that's for sure. Cause I actually tripped 
as I was running at one point, like, oh my god, don't kill me. Um, <laughs> so I love I love going to those sorts of things. Like I don't know why I do it to myself. Like I'm like, I feel like I'm gonna give myself a heart attack one of these days. Um so I do that. Um and I will say off the top of my head, like I'm looking forward to that Hellraiser movie that's gonna be coming out on Hulu. Um Oh yeah, that that should be good. I recently watched at least two of the fir- two of the Hellraiser movies. The first one was just horrifying. I, I I was like, holy crap! What Clive Barker did with that movie was, man, oh man, is that creepy as all hell? And the gore was just turned up to eleven. So, yeah, I will say be on the lookout for that. I know I know Marvel has their Werewolf by Night movie that's getting pretty good reviews from what I've seen so far. So if you're looking for that horror with your Marvel. I think that'll be a good one to appease those people like the 1950s style black and white Dracula kind of sort of things there. So there you go. What about yeah. you? Yeah, so I think my recs for for this episode, I think I'm going to keep it kind of related. Uh, as Like we mentioned earlier, Batman The Long Haul Wayne is such a great read. Uh, you got to you know it's it's such a great well i know that there's an animated movie adaptation like part one and part two but and it's pretty good but the comic like the art style of the comic is just amazing and uh so i recommend reading the long halloween and its sequel dark victory and um yeah i'd also recommend um in terms of video games uh from what i've seen like i remember several years ago i was at a friend's house and he played a little a bit of the video game outlast and it was pretty scary from what i saw so i think that maybe it it's still playable and holds up today like it could get the blood pumping if people play that like one these days on whatever console like might play it um and um yeah and i'd also recommend like the walking dead comics like that's still my favorite comic series like yeah me too (laughs) i i bought the compendiums at a comic convention and just like blew through those compendiums in in such quick order because what robert kirkman did with that was just something that was so appealing so human and yeah, I've since dropped off of watching a series, but man, those those Walking Dead comics are so much better than the show, I have to say. Yeah, well, I feel like the show got it again, like the oh. last couple seasons, so. Okay. Yeah. I think I dropped off of season six or something. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> ah! um, but also, like, Walking Dead just reminded me, like, I'd also recommend... Um, uh, from DC's New 52, uh, get Animal Man, and also check out the Sweet Tooth comics and the Sweet Tooth TV show. Like those feel very odd to me, I guess. All right, this is Stephen from later on. Before we get into the plugs, I just want to read this email from Oliver that uh, is a response to the Spooky Jack episode. Oliver Titcomb says, Dear Delayed Replay Stephen, In your most recent episode, your guest Callum Hogan briefly mentioned Over the Hedge. Unlike other DreamWorks films, 
which are either original or based on a book. Over the Hedge is based on a newspaper comic strip. When I discovered this, I found the entire run is available online at gocomics.com. The artist is still making Over the Hedge strips today. It's actually pretty good. Go check it out. Love the podcast. Keep up the good work. Oliver Titcomb from that other universe where the films he reviewed got delayed. Well, thanks for the email, Oliver. Uh, yeah, I, I, as you could probably tell, um, I was unaware that Over the Hedge is based on a comic strip. That's actually kind of surprising to me. If it's really that good, I'm really curious about it now. But anyway, uh, since I'm on here and commenting on things, I guess I should go ahead and touch on a few things that were mentioned briefly in this Gotham Knights episode. Pennyworth Season 3 premiered. It dropped its first three episodes, which seems to be the trend with HBO Max, uh, DC shows at least. Uh, I thought the first three episodes of this season were pretty good. Uh, No spoilers, but the third one ended on a pretty strong, suspenseful note. So... Yeah, I'm very curious to see where they go with this. And I also watched Hellraiser and Werewolf by Night, uh, kind of back-to-back, actually. Uh, The new Hellraiser movie, it's not really a remake. It's very much a different plot, uh, different characters, a different situation. It's, It's a reboot, but of course it still is just called Hellraiser. I would say it's the third best Hellraiser film. Maybe not as good as the first two, but by Hellraiser movie standards, it's pretty good. But just as a movie in general, I I, I think I find it middle of the road. and It kind of helped me realize that I'm not that big of a Hellraiser fan. It's kind of more of a niche thing, uh, that franchise, like in, in my eyes. So it I think if you're a big Hellraiser fan, you might really enjoy this new Hellraiser movie but it it kind of felt like a slog to me it was two hours long which is a half hour longer than the average hellraiser movie um the effects were impressive i think uh definitely some grotesque moments but again just the length of it and yeah i mean obviously better production value and definitely better than almost all of the sequels but yeah like if you're a big hellraiser fan you'll probably like it if not um i I don't know like i I don't think this will draw in many new fans to the franchise like prey did for the predator franchise but um yeah I, i was not as big on prey as many other people were but i appreciate that it's at least started a conversation on more representation in those types of movies. Um, I think at the moment I probably enjoyed this new Hellraiser movie a little bit more than Prey, but I don't know, that that could change. I could see myself maybe re-watching Prey again another time, but I don't really foresee myself re-watching this new Hellraiser anytime soon. It kind of feels like a one and done for me. But Marvel's Werewolf by Night, uh, it's not really a movie, it's a Halloween special on Disney+, Plus, like a bit more than 50 minutes long. Definitely a throwback to Universal monster movies from like the 30s and 
I guess, 40s and stuff like that. I guess you could say Marvel's first universal monster movie since The Incredible Hulk, in a way. And again, no spoilers, but there was a character in there I was surprised to see and I recognized because I'd heard of them. And uh, yeah, I, I just won't say any more about the character. But um, yeah, I, I think people will... Some people will enjoy it. I thought it was fine. It, it was harmless, but I've seen better Marvel things. I, I do appreciate that it's something kind of different, but yeah, it, it was fine. It was uh, kind of cool, I guess. So yeah, I guess with that, um, I, I know that this episode is coming out on October 8th, which I realized is R.L. Stein's birthday, so I guess I would also say uh, check out the Goosebumps books, because uh, those are pretty good. Those are my childhood and got me into reading chapter books. Um, Alright, so back to the closing of the episode with Star Raptor. Yeah, I guess that'll do it for the Rex. Uh, thanks for joining me again star after where can people find your stuff yeah they can find me mainly on youtube youtube.com slash star raptor where i've been talking a lot about star wars recently we have andor series coming out so i like to talk about any kind of cool connections i find in the episodes i try to uh talk a little bit about speculation uh things like that um but you know every once in a while i will post something about uh something otherwise maybe collecting or something on there um other than that you can find me on twitter where i'll be retweeting commenting on the latest from marvel star wars uh video games you name it um so yeah that's where you can find me basically star raptor on any on any platform nice yeah and people can find me at steven schinder on instagram and twitter steven schinder storytelling on facebook uh for info on my books lemons of my grain has been out for a while that one's pretty spooky as werewolves and a vampire and the next one trespassing through visages will be out sometime soon i just gotta take care of some like life related stuff uh so but yeah there will be updates and uh you can email delayed replay via delayed replay podcast at gmail.com let us know your thoughts on pie recipes, I guess. Um, and you can also find me on a vlog slash podcast called Yes Shift, where me and my dad talk about the progressive rock band Yes. And we've even interviewed a few people who've been in Yes and a few people who've worked with people who've been in Yes. And um, yeah, you could just find us on YouTube, Facebook, all of the major audio platforms i'll put links in the show notes like usual and yeah i guess i'll do a next episode of delayed replay will be about suicide squad kill the justice league but without further delay have a good day